Bing bong. I'm back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, where I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, SB from the Woke Antidote. So if you've been following my stuff for a while, you know SB, but if you haven't, he's been on a couple episodes with the chat. He's been on the Macro Insights podcast, I think a couple times at this point. He's in the spaces all the time with me as well, the Bitcoin happy hour. He's a tech bro that is an undercover Bitcoiner. So we go into micro strategy. We take a deep dive into Sailor and all that kind of stuff. We take a dive into Coinbase, Bitcoin miners holding Bitcoin, and the overall market sentiment for Bitcoin. So it was an action-packed conversation. And if you know SB, you know he's brilliant and he brings the heat to say the least. So tune in for another action-packed episode. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, this is not financial advice. Everything you hear in this podcast is strictly for entertainment purposes only and is the opinion of SB and myself and should not, 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 not be taken as financial advice. Can't stress that enough. And lastly, if you're listening to this on audio, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so the next uh, episode goes directly to your feed give it a five-star rating. It really helps me bring in some quality guests. And if you're listening on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button and that like button. And last but not least, let's get into the show. Whoosh. Bing bong. I am live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. But can have the YouTube up. My bad, but uh, um, I'd like to thank everybody streaming me sats. I didn't get any boosts, but I did get a few sats streamed from Aquila, I think is how you say it on uh, on Fountain. So I do deeply appreciate that. Um, it, the boosts and the sats streamed are always greatly appreciated. So thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody doing all that. And uh, first, special shout out to Bitcoin Bay. So if you're in Tampa Bay, uh, I'm recording this on Thursday, the 20th. Uh, we have a workshop for all businesses on the 23rd. Uh, I'm posting the Eventbrite in the link and the show to show notes. Um, so if you're listening to this before then and you're in the area and you want to go, feel free to go. They're breaking down everything that it, uh, comes with running a business on Bitcoin, whether that's accounting, um, how to receive Bitcoin, taxes, all that great kind of stuff, storage and all, uh, all great kind of stuff. Lunch will be provided. So be sure to check that out. And then shout out to my sponsors, Bitcoin Miami. The prices go up tomorrow. So if you're listening to this, you better get on those tickets fast for the biggest Bitcoin conference in the country. Bitcoin Miami, Bitcoin 2023 is less than a month away at this point. You can use promo code Green Candle to get 10% off your entire order, whether that's an industry pass, well pass, or just general admin. Save that 10% and use that 10% to get more sats. I mean, we're getting a nice, easy price here. And then when you get those sats, after you buy that Bitcoin Miami uh, ticket and you save with 10% using promo code Green Candle, go to coddle.co and uh, buy a punch plate. Use that punch plate to store your seed phrase so you never lose it in a fire. It's been battle tested through the thick and thin. So use those punch plates. And lastly, for everybody listening on audio or video, if you're listening on YouTube, hit the like button for me and help uh, boost that algo or hit the subscribe, help the channel out. It helps me bring in great guests. Like I have one waiting here 
my my good friend, I don't know, I think this might be your first state of Bitcoin appearance, but uh, SB from the Woke Antidote. SB, how you doing today, man? Yo, what's going on? Yeah, maybe I was on a, a macro show or a Sunday scary, so... I'm definitely down to uh, switch it up and then talk some corn. I love talking corn. Yeah, for sure. I think this is your first um, one without the chat. You know, we've had the the big chat one where we had you know Joey, Gandalf, Lynn, and and uh, you all on all on one. But I think this is the first one where we got solo for you on the Bitcoin podcast. So if uh, you know they haven't caught the chat episode or they haven't caught the macro insights episode with you and TV, I believe was on there too. Um, Tell us a little bit about who you are, and then uh, then we'll dive right into it. Yeah, so the the concept of the Woke Antidote uh, podcast is basically breaking down what what me and my co-host TB, he's tech bro, I'm stocks bro, uh, what we see is this crazy-ass world out there that's gone woke and seems to be getting crazier every single day. Uh, part of that is fiat nonsense, which is why we... We both like Bitcoin. We've been advocating it for years. We've uh, talked about it a lot on the show. And then for me specifically, I um, I work in finance, so I'm familiar with a lot of this stuff. I would say for Bitcoin, the more that I've learned about the current uh, monetary system we're in, the more I think it's absolutely bonkers, insane, and needs to be replaced with something. And that's part of the big reason why I love Bitcoin so much. So. Yeah, so I, I love um I love getting into it, talking about this, and and I, I think I have some insight potentially that other others might might have might not have because I am uh, in the system, but don't like the system and like Bitcoin, which is I think somewhat of a rarity. But we can talk about that later if if needed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I get it on both sides, right? So I mean, I talk to a lot of fintwig guys, and I talk to a lot of Bitcoiners, and. There, there isn't really too many that are kind of in the middle like yourself. So I think, you, like you said, yeah, you bring a great perspective when it comes to a lot of things. So uh, the reason I brought you on here is uh, we, we had you on a Spaces earlier, uh, maybe last week or the week before. And uh, one of the one of the people that was listening said that they haven't heard anybody break down micro strategy like you have. So, um, you know, whether when it comes to FinTwit, it, and uh, Bitcoin Twitter, it's a very controversial company. You know, Michael Saylor's always seem to be buying Bitcoin and putting it on the balance sheet. Um, and some have mixed opinions on that uh, what, and, the, and the strategies that he's using. But yeah, why don't you break it all down? Let's let's hear. How do you think my, uh, MicroStrategy is doing so far? And, uh, you know, what do you think of, uh, I guess, their current balance sheet status? Yeah, so I, I think the first main thing to to realize about MicroStrategy is they have bought a lot of Bitcoin with debt. So I think there's there's very much a you can have an opinion on which way you want to go with whether you like that or not. And because he had that first tranche, <clears throat> I think around five hundred million, bought it at ten thousand of Bitcoin, and that's that clearly was an epic trade, right? Because we're seeing it way far there. But the reason that he had the 500 million in the first place was because the company was making money for several years, if not over a decade. So they were collecting all this free cash flow they had produced. And then it was just sitting there, not getting him any interest at all once they once the Fed took rates down to zero in 2020. And so that's when Sailor, obviously, I think people listening to the show are aware of, of what the journey he went on to find, oh, I think Bitcoin is the best possible um, best possible asset for me to invest in. So that was the initial tranche. And 
I think from there, he could have done a, a number of things. He could have just said, you know what? Let me DCA with my, my free cash flow that I'm generating. Let me sell some equity along the way, um, and I'll buy a little bit of Bitcoin here and there. But what Sailor did is, is he really put the, put the pedal to the metal, and he took out, I think it was $1.7 billion of convertible debt. He took out um, an additional several hundred million of debt that's secured by uh, the software company that they have. And then they've also issued a bunch of equity. So he's when you're buying into MicroStrategy, the company, and Saylor said this before, you're really buying into the, the thought that Saylor will leverage various parts of the capital structure in order to buy Bitcoin at the right time. And get you essentially, I think that the quote is that kind of gets you a leverage return on Bitcoin. I would say tracking the stock versus Bitcoin, I think that's been accurate so far. So I think what, what essentially he's done in structuring this company is if you do want a leveraged bet on Bitcoin that is outside of, you know, just, you know, I think it's outside of mining and we can get into those later. I think there's more work that needs to be taken for for investing in mining, that's that's the more intense examination of balance sheets. That's what miners have, what properties and what locations and what's their, you know, so I think that's very complicated, all the hash rate stuff. But for MicroStrategy, it's simplistically, okay, we know he's utilizing a big mix of equity and debt to buy as much Bitcoin as possible. And I'll kind of put my faith in Sailor to execute on these Bitcoin buys. Um, to finish up before passing it back to you, I would say, you know, certainly he he has bought Bitcoin in the 40s, 50s, 60s. So that average price has gone up from um, the 10K or whatnot that he originally bought. So I think ultimately, you know, those probably aren't great. Um, but I think from he would argue probably that he thought at the time we could go a lot higher and might as well take advantage of the access to the debt markets and the equity price to end up... Um, you know, buying that. And actually, I'll, I'll finish at this point, too. I think what we saw with the the recent loan payoff, that's kind of what we're going to have to see going forward um, if if Bitcoin um, kind of continues where it is. Because it's essentially what Saylor did is he issued equity to pay off debt. So he issued maybe $400 million of equity um, throughout 2023. And then I think 160 million of that was used to prepay the 200 million Silvergate loan. That's essentially the trade that he's going to have to do um, in a few years because they don't have the cash flow to repay 1.7 billion of convertible notes, for example. So that's the trade he'll have to do. His market cap right now is about 4 billion. If Bitcoin goes up 10 times from here until a couple years, you know, we'd be happy. He'd be happy. You're looking at a company that's worth $40 billion at if MicroStrategy just tracks the Bitcoin price, maybe it'll do higher than that. But if you're looking at a company that's worth that much, issuing a couple billion of equity to pay off some debt, that's really not a huge deal. I think the, prob the problem for him is going to be if Bitcoin doesn't do kind of what the bulls think, it either hangs around here or goes lower. And then you start to get into, okay, what, you know, how can he potentially refinance the debt or pay off the debt, issue equity to do so? He's got a $4 billion market cap now. He's got some debt to repay. Um, you know, Maybe you'd utilize the software business for that. So it, it kind of gets more complicated. But then I, what I would say to that too is that the people that are investing in MicroStrategy stock right now, 
I think probably are in it for the Bitcoin. I, I would be hard pressed to think that there's many people that are investing in that stock that aren't on board with the Bitcoin strategy. And so if that's the case, I think if you're investing in MicroStrategy, just like you would be investing in Bitcoin, while you do believe in it long term, you're more than willing to say this might this might end up being a zero. I'm not investing. Um, I'm not investing as much um, as I, I'm, I'm investing what I can afford to lose because it's very volatile. So with that being said, I think it's reasonable if if he is selling MicroStrategy as this leveraged model, I think that is reasonable for the end investor to say, OK, I'll, I'll invest in this now and I'll take my lumps if it goes down, but I'm betting on the upside if it goes up. So, yeah, so that that's kind of my thought on it is that it is sort of a leveraged Bitcoin and people should just kind of be aware of that if they're evaluating public Bitcoin companies to look at, as opposed to you've got the other options like a GBTC, for example. Yeah, I mean, that's great. And and you, you went into a lot of, uh, you know, their, their Bitcoin holding strategy, which is obviously the kind of the kind of controversial aspect of micro strategy. But the overall, like the underlying business, how is that doing? How is their cash flow going? Like, is that kind of improving along the lines where they're getting a lot more of this investment money? Because, you know, like, like you said, mo most people are kind of investing in their stock and kind of, you know, holding on to it for, for a while um, because, you know, they, they believe in Sailor and they believe in Bitcoin. So they kind of see it as a leverage play in Bitcoin. So, you know, is that helping and benefiting the underlying business of MicroStrategy? So the business looks pretty damn similar. Um, it, it looks it looks very similar to how it has over the last few years. I think what they've said is that they're, the, the benefit that they're getting potentially is that there's kind of a, a brand benefit where, I mean, I, I think like me and you, I, I don't think either of us probably knew what MicroStrategy was before they bought Bitcoin, right? So, and I think it took people a little while to, to go, oh, there's a company buying Bitcoin. Interesting. I, what, what does MicroStrategy do? So there's kind of a, there's a brand effect, which could potentially lead to the company needing to spend less on marketing. But I think that would really be the, on, the only thing Maybe there's some benefit way down the line if this Lightning Network development takes off. He talked about that last earnings call, which was interesting, but they're spending so little on that that I wouldn't expect that to have a major impact. But yeah, just in general, the software business, I mean, he's he's he said this and the numbers prove it out. I mean, it's a pretty sticky business. I think it's it's business analytics. I think if you're a company that has it, presumably you you use it, you like it. Um, it would be tough to switch. I think kind of in software, that's a big reason why people like investing in software, I think, is because a lot of the time it's very hard to switch software providers after you have so much data invested um, and you have you have so much of your business depends on your current software partners. It's hard to actually get away from them. So, yeah, in terms of the business overall, I'd say it's very stable, which which is good. Um, you wouldn't want it to be declining. But it's just you know they're they're not nearly they're not nearly producing the the free cash flow that they would need to pay down you know hundreds of billions of debt if it got to that point. Yeah, and it, and it is interesting that that you're kind of putting it that way. But um, you know maybe the stability of that business uh, kind of allows them to invest in Bitcoin and kind of have some of their reserves in Bitcoin because of how volatile it is. You know it kind of balances out in a sense, right? Where 
you know, you have Bitcoin, the asset that is essentially just, you know, up and down every single day, uh, you know, varying in price. But, you know, the software business that's kind of slow and steady kind of chugging up, which kind of allows them to, to um, you know, invest in Bitcoin and, and hold that where maybe some other companies that are a little bit more volatile, like, you know, maybe some tech companies or something like that, uh, they might get a little worried about it. So maybe that's why they've been able to, I guess, help hold these, uh, you know, the, the diamond hand, so to speak. But, you know, on that note, you know, there's a few things that I, I that I want to get your opinion on to see whether or not you think it's kind of, I guess, genuine or you think it's more of like a marketing tactic. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the whole like lightning or Bitcoin kind of conference that they have for businesses that they held. Um, I know that's coming up here. I believe it's in May, early May. Uh, the micro for those who don't know, MicroStrategy essentially puts together like a business expo for a lot of business leaders, whether they're CEOs, CFOs, kind of higher ups in business to teach them about Bitcoin, how that can help their business. Uh, they had it last year for the first time, uh, and it seems like it's going to be going again this year. I don't really know who, who the list is. Um, but what is your opinion on that? Um, do you think that that's kind of, uh, you know, an end around way to kind of network with other companies? Or do you think it's kind of, uh, I don't know, Sailor being the bull that he is and trying to uh, maybe market Bitcoin? Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. I mean, yeah, like you said it yourself, they had it last year. And is there any noticeable change in their their business results from it? Probably not. I mean, could it uh, on the margin help them get uh, some customers to them? Sure. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's um, that's too far out of it. But I think, um, you know, in terms of lightning specifically, if they are focusing the conference on that, I mean, I do like that idea because so many people that is so foreign to them so if he's able to sort of teach um, a lot of new and smart people that are in software anyway because if you're attending this you're probably very familiar with microstrategy maybe you use their products or you're 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 looking to use it you're close to deciding to use it i think those types of minds getting their heads around bitcoin specifically lightning could be really interesting so I guess to, I, I would say I don't think there's any downside to having it. I mean, I, I really don't because, um, you know, it's a couple it's it takes time to plan it. But he's got a team for that, I'm sure. And there's going to be really smart people there uh, talking about things. But I think the up there, there is some decent upside, probably more over the long run. Um, and I, I'd have to go back. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know for sure. But I mean, was were, was he holding a micro strategy world in? 2019 before Bitcoin to talk up a software, maybe. I mean, I think some software companies do that. I know, you know, for a company like NVIDIA, right, that's kind of like the hot company right now with AI. Um, you know, they have their NVIDIA world, you know, you know, events when their CEO goes up and talks up a lot of the different things they're working on. So in terms of in terms of the idea of a company holding a hype event for their own company. This is nothing out of the ordinary, whether it's MicroStrategy, whether it's other software companies, whoever it is. So that's not that crazy. Um, I do like the fact that it seems to be more lightning focused because I think that's just sort of like Bitcoin. I think if you get Bitcoin into the right minds, like it can click for people. I think the same thing would happen with lightning. So if you get really smart people at a conference, um, software inclined to be thinking about lightning, yeah, I, I've just got no downside for that. Um, but I think certainly 
you know, temper the expectations on it immediately making any big changes to the Bitcoin ecosystem or to MicroStrategy itself. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think like the biggest name obviously last year was it was Jack Dorsey. So, I mean, he he's already a Bitcoin bull as it is. So um, I know that there was kind of a list that came out and there were some notable, notice, notable uh, CEOs, CFOs and that kind of stuff. But it didn't seem like any other company kind of, you know, took the strategy as bullish as MicroStrategy or even, you know, kind of putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet, except for maybe maybe Tesla did coming out of that. But I think that's really it. Um, the other question I have is, is this gets brought up by a lot of the Bitcoin uh, bears all the time. <laughs> oh, boy. That, is that uh, MicroStrategy has now one, and I think it's one, every one in 150 Bitcoin that's going to ever be in existence. So do you take that as a positive or a negative? And um, I guess for just the plebs and as a positive or a negative for MicroStrategy as the entire company? Yeah, that doesn't phase me at all. I mean, very clearly he's executing a strategy. You know, I, I think I'm probably personally, I think I'm surprised that other companies haven't done um, much Bitcoin. I mean, there's been a few here and there. Square, I'm actually surprised, or Block now, I guess. I, I'm actually surprised they haven't bought more. I mean, maybe that's Jack sort of leaving some for the plebs, you know, potentially. But um, I, I am sort of surprised. I, I But I, then I would say on the other hand, you know, look, if you're if you're an Apple, if you're a uh, Google and, and Meta and whatnot, it's just hard to move the needle. So the, I think the question for those companies, which maybe during the excitement of MicroStrategy, I wasn't thinking of or Bitcoin people in general weren't thinking of is, you know, if, if Meta or Google came out and they bought, you know, five billion of Bitcoin and it goes to 20 billion, like, yeah, 15 billion gain would be awesome. Right. It'd be fantastic for them. But, you know, Google, Microsoft, those companies, they got 50, 75, 100 billion of cash. It's not a huge change at the end of the day. And they have enough cash where, you know, God forbid, if, if Balaji's right and Bitcoin immediately becomes a million dollars in the reserve currency, then like, yeah, they can get in on that. Um, and they have valuable businesses where they would still be generating lots of cash flow in a Bitcoin denominated world. They'd be able to buy Bitcoin. So I think the, the question is, is the hassle worth it for them? And the answer is probably not because the regulatory stress that these companies are under is just massive already. So do you want to layer on something in addition to that? You know, I clearly the answer is no. So I do kind of understand that perspective, but I'm almost a little bit surprised that maybe some of these smaller companies with a little bit less to lose might might uh might have gone in and put some on their balance sheet so that's interesting but in terms of micro itself you know having that much you know he staked that an early position in this that you know it is what it is i mean what how much we'll, we'll at, at a certain point we'll figure out how much el salvador has and what percentage of the bitcoin that is um you know how it, i'm seeing on twitter you know people are speculating about russia mining it how much how much bitcoin does russia hold I mean, we definitely knew that there was a lot of mining going on in China for years. How much does China potentially hold? I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe tomorrow, you know, because people have been speculating this about uh, China and, and maybe Russia to a certain extent that, oh, they're buying a bunch of gold. They, they'll come out and have a, a gold-backed yuan. What if they came out tomorrow and said, yeah, we're, we're we're, our currencies are going to be backed in part by Bitcoin? You know, they could do that. And then, and then the I guess the bears would then shift from... Sailor having X amount of Bitcoin to 
oh, well, China and Russia are using a Swabist that you can't be good. So, like, the Bears are always going to have um, a take on, on, tr- on trying to hate on Bitcoin, which is fine. I mean, that's just that's their prerogative. They're they're potentially missing out on, you know, the greatest invention or creation or whether you want to call it. We found it um, in human history. You know, they're missing out on that. That's fine. But in terms of one company having all that, look, I think the the one point that I would give the Bears, if I'm being totally fair, is if he is a fourth seller of the Bitcoin. Um, I, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I don't think it will have to happen. I think, look, at, at Bitcoin 30K or 28K, where we're at now, um, he's got a 4 billion market cap. You can do a lot with a, with a 4 billion market cap, and he obviously already has this year because he's issued 500 million of equity. So if it stays here, I think you're all right. Yeah, if Bitcoin went to 15K or 10K or below that, and all of a sudden the company's not worth that much, if anything, after their debt, that's a big deal, and maybe they'd have to sell some. But but I I would think like from from the perspective of sitting here in, in twenty twenty in early twenty twenty three when Bitcoin's Bitcoin's twenty eight k, you know if Bitcoin's ten k in twenty twenty six, I like something went wrong there. I think so. I I don't think I'd be worried about micro strategy at that point. I'd just be worried about Bitcoin in general being that low. So you know it, is that a tail risk for Bitcoin that? A bunch of coins that have to be sold and dumped at at a, a local bottom, maybe. Um, but I think we'd have other other issues to worry about before that. So I'm not that concerned about it. And I think the more the more Bitcoin that he's buying now, the more valuable the company will be if and when Bitcoin goes higher, and then the less risk you have with the company being that valuable. So I think um, look, it, you know, we think it's going up. He thinks it's going up. If it does do that, um, it's not really going to matter how much they have, I don't think. Yeah, and no, I, I agree with you 100%. But yeah, I didn't even really think about the, the forced selling, but uh, that is a really good point. And, you know, it, it almost kind of reminds me of like the, the bearish point of just like, what if, uh, you know, Satoshi's, uh, you know, Bitcoin that is, hasn't moved since basically Bitcoin's, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you want to call it creation, founding, whatever. Uh, the, the one that, that holds... I, I, Believe this, I want to say it's like a million Bitcoin or something like that. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a ton of Bitcoin that Satoshi holds, and essentially, like, you know, would it uh, cause, I guess, deflation of Bitcoin if we were to essentially just set, like, just move all those and sell them all off? I don't know. I feel like it's almost kind of like that point, and it's like, well, there's still only 21 million, so you know, maybe it would be like an initial shock to the system, but I don't think it would be anything, you know, significant or anything, you know, I guess serious against Bitcoin. I think you know the way the plebs and uh, everybody else kind of stacks their corn at that point. If it was like a 10k or drop to 10k right now. Uh, you know, you see a big bottom. Uh, I think everybody would kind of scoop that up and you just kind of see the steady increase, obviously not financial advice or anything like that. But you brought up regulation and I kind of want to dive into Coinbase because mm-hmm. Coinbase has been at the top of, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess, controversy, especially as of late. They've even come out and said because of the U.S. is not very um, <clears throat> is not very clear on the regulations with with bitcoin and crypto to a lesser extent but you know it is a, a shitcoin casino uh that they're, they're they're considering moving overseas so you know what do you think about this potential move for coinbase and as a uh, coinbase's i guess balance sheet and company health as a whole because they've been doing quite a bit of layoffs too uh you know maybe over the past like year year and a half yeah so i i think the core 
what you have to think about with Coinbase is that if you go through, if you look at their earnings, 2021 was a banner year. I mean, they, I, I think they did something like $8 billion in revenue, $4 billion of EBITDA, which is what the street kind of uses for earnings. I mean, this company was was firing on all cylinders. I mean, the shitcoin casino was rolling. Um, and yeah, if you look back at that, I mean, Bitcoin gets to 60K, but, you know, Ethereum, all, the, all these things. And the thing that I always love tracking about Coinbase, because they give this data, is in their quarterly reports, you can see what percentage of trading. They, they break it out, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then other. So... I think it's. I think it was 4Q21, and people can look this up. But I think it was like 17% Bitcoin, maybe like 30% Ethereum, and the rest um, other crypto. And now in their most recent earnings, it was 33% Bitcoin, so almost a double. Which of course I like seeing as a Bitcoin, not crypto guy. But I, but I think that's like the, the, to wrap your head around Coinbase. It's not making that much money off of Bitcoin trading. So that's like point number one that is, yes, they're providing it, but they do list a lot of cryptos on there, including Ethereum, you know, including kind of the, the, the classics that you'd see on CoinMarketCap. So they're making a lot of money from that. And I think what the SEC is doing, look, no one really knows exactly what they're doing, but is it reasonable that the SEC could be questioning, hmm, how do all these tokens get listed? Are they securities? Um, what's this yield situation we've got going on? Should that be legislated or under our uh, regulatory body? You know, I, I think these are reasonable questions. Now, I think there's a, there's a couple of camps that Bitcoiners fall into where some say, yeah, crypto is, is a total joke. It, they are securities. The SEC should regulate the heck out of them. Um, and I think that's a reasonable opinion to have. And then there's the other opinion that Bitcoiners say, like, let let Bitcoin win fair and square. Let's not overregulate crypto in general. You know, let people lose money on those if if they're going to invest in, you know, potentially shit coins, Ponzi schemes, Ponzi yield farming, whatever it would be. Um, let the people lose money on that. But I do think that from the SEC's perspective, they ha they have a reason to be looking around. I don't I don't think it's completely unreasonable that they're looking at some of these businesses and saying, yeah, what's what exactly is the practice here? That's not to say that they might you know strike against them and make the company in you know put the company in a very tough position. I don't know. I mean that's up to the SEC. But I do understand Coinbase's perspective too because Coinbase is operating this business in the U.S. They've played by the rules mostly. I think. Um, they've worked for more regulatory clarity, and they have been competing against companies like FTX, which wasn't abiding by the same rules the Coinbase was. So I think in an ideal world, there would be some give and take and some compromise where both sides could come to the table and Coinbase could be, maybe give a little bit and say, yeah, we're, we're doing some things that should be under um, you know more scrutiny from the SEC. And the SEC could say, yeah, you're, you're a US-based company. Um, so you should continue to be here, but there's some things we want to look at. Now, there's another perspective here that's just basically if if you're someone that thinks it's Bitcoin and no crypto, which I think both, you know, both me and you are are supportive of that, you know, maybe everything is a scam besides Bitcoin, and maybe there should be regulatory actions for everything but Bitcoin. So 
So basically, like to all, all that to say, there's all of this swirling around. So as an investor in Coinbase, I think certainly you you have to to ding a little bit of what you know. Even if you love the company, regulatory is a major risk, and a company like MicroStrategy only holding Bitcoin, not selling Bitcoin or cryptos, um, doesn't have that risk. So I think that's important to note. And then I and then in terms of what Coinbase has in their balance sheet, yeah, I think I think they've got around four billion of actual cash. Maybe they've got another billion of crypto in, in various forms. Some of that's oh, I think a lot of that's Bitcoin and Ethereum. So the company itself, I think, you know, unless something drastic happens, um, they will be okay. the The thing that they're doing to take all of these jobs away, and and this has been very intense. I mean, I would say. You know, them and Meta are probably the leaders in the clubhouse for companies that have taken, you know, done these ridiculous, done these crazy job cuts. They just grew way too fast because they were growing based on thinking that 20, the 2021 revenue and earnings that they were getting, that would continue on forever. And that just wasn't the case. I mean, it wasn't the case for crypto. It wasn't the case for equity trading. I mean, maybe the... The, the image that sticks out to me is, is the Davy Dave trader from Barstool that um, stocks always go up and he's fucking grabbing um, Scrabble letters out of a bag and investing in these things. Like, he's like, yeah, let me grab three letters and I'll buy this stock. So like that was what the 2021 era was because money was sloshing around from all this printed money. And so Coinbase benefited. I think what they ultimately missed is that this wouldn't continue. And and look, frankly, it wasn't only Coinbase. It was a lot of people. I, I did that. I'm sure you did. Like everybody, everybody gets caught up in it because it's hard not to. So Coinbase has corrected. I think there's there's more cost to correct. If you look at their their the financial report and they put out, they are taking some costs down, but there's plenty to go. So they're they're okay for a business case. I think the ultimate question though is if, if you're an equity investor and looking at Coinbase. If you don't believe in cryptos other than Bitcoin, I think you really should take a hard look at that 30% of their trading revenues from Bitcoin. And you should take a hard look at, do I really want to invest in a company where 70% of the money they're making is things I don't believe in? Now, if you're listening to this and you're a big crypto guy, I don't know if people will be, but you know, if you want to invest in it anyway... Yeah, if you believe in that stuff and you think that the trading of that's going to take off again, by all means, go for Coinbase. Um, we we all knew that the, the stock went to, you know, what was the it went to four hundred and what was it? Kramer at four hundred said he liked it at, at, at higher. So yeah, exactly. you know, it, it it can get caught up in this in this volatility to the upside for sure. But I think for people probably listening to the show that are more focused on Bitcoin only. You know, there's there's alternatives here um, as com- as compared to just going for Coinbase. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And uh, you know, it is interesting about the the whole regulation aspect of it. I'm not sure if you saw this, but Gary Gensler um, kind of went in front of I don't I don't even know what it was, but it was maybe a hearing or something along those lines. But he was asked whether or not like Ether, you know, the Ethereum token was a security or not, and he essentially like, couldn't answer the question. And so it seems like, uh, you know, uh, regulators and the SEC and everything like that, they're, they're getting kind of frustrated with the way that the, the overall crypto industry is going. So, um, you know, as somebody, I, I guess, say you're a Coinbase investor or, um, you know, I guess somebody who's just like looking at the company or analyzing it, 
do you think that this is like a huge negative as a company that's based in the United States where, you know, the SEC seems to be kind of uh, getting frustrated, it seems like, with the lack of regulation and the fact that the uh, that Coinbase is like threatening to move its headquarters outside of the United States. Do you think that that would be a positive mood for Coinbase or do you think that that's, uh, I guess, a little bit worrisome? Yeah. I think it's I think it's definitely worrisome. Yeah, I mean, if if they feel like they um, if they feel like the environment is so bad that they have to move, yeah, I think that's a major negative. Now, does that mean they could be more flexible in what they they operate? Sure, um, and it's actually you know I hadn't thought of this before, but I, I guess because I'm I'm thinking about FTX. VCs were investing highly aggressively in FTX. But it was all uh, private markets, right? It wasn't; they weren't public. So, I guess I would be, cu- yeah, I'd be curious of what would happen to Coinbase's public, um, you know, SEC registered U.S. equity if they did end up leaving the U.S. and what would happen there. So, I think that would probably be a big step to figure out for them. But I, I mean, I would like to think that they're probably bluffing a little bit, and they're they're kind of. I mean, they've been shown what they do, those Twitter threads where the legal officer kind of fights back against the SEC and Brian does that too. So I'd like to think it's a little bit of bluster, but, you know, look, I, and I, frankly, I'm not even sure where I fall on this debate of whether I think what Coinbase should be doing is, is illegal or not. I mean, look, like I'm a Bitcoin only guy. I think the rest is shit coins, but you know, and should I be there saying that, company should be selling this? I don't know, right? So I'm not really sure where I fall in that debate. But I, I think what I can say is that there should be clarity. Um, and maybe the SEC is, I mean, to give them the benefit of doubt, they're studying this and they would give and they would um, try for more clarity once they've actually figured out their position. But they should they should know by now how they feel on this and if they do know how they feel that should be communicated to coinbase ahead of time so that you know maybe coinbase only se- like what if coinbase only sells bitcoin ethereum for example as as an extreme case and they didn't sell anything else like i don't, I don't know if that would happen but that should be something that the sec should be communicating to them and frankly protecting investors too because i think coinbase you know they have a 12 billion plus market cap um, there's a lot of people that are invested in Coinbase. So if um, and this is not just retail investors, there's institutional holders of Coinbase too, a 14 billion. There's institutional holders of Coinbase too. So those investors should should have information as well on, you know, if 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 there's big revenue and earnings generators from Coinbase that are at serious risk from the SEC, um, they should be aware of that. Now, I guess you could call the Wells notice that. Coin got is kind of a warning to potential investors, and the stock certainly sold off after that. So that's part of it. But I mean, I'm all for communication, finding the truth together. I think there's room for compromise between both Coinbase and the SEC. I don't particularly like the path Coinbase has gone. I, you know, I've had arguments with people over. They've said, "Oh, Block or Square should should uh, support selling shit coins," and I say, "No, like they should." They only like selling Bitcoin. They want to do Bitcoin. They'll do that. Um, there's plenty of Bitcoin only companies. And so, look, like if at the end of the day, if Coinbase has to stop operating in the U.S. because it's sell- it's selling too many shitcoins, I mean, that would be probably a very big 
short-term negative, but other companies could pick up the slack here. And there's plenty of Bitcoin-only companies selling Bitcoin in the U.S. So, yeah, I think ultimately I, there should be more regulatory clarity. There's not. And I think that's one of one of the biggest issues that I have, not only with crypto, but just sort of the regulatory um, situation in general. And this is for all companies is that it's, it's never clear. So a company can have a game plan and then the rugs pulled under, under them in six months. And then all of a sudden what, you know, they had the three, five, 10 year game plan and they can't do that anymore. So in, in all fairness to Coinbase, and again, I'm not a huge fan of them just because of what they're, I, I'm not a huge fan of them selling all these shit coins. Um, in fairness to Coinbase, they should have some guidance and hopefully they will get that. But with this SEC and with government in general, I'm not really sure you can trust anything. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that, you know, about the, the SEC not being able to trust them because I feel like, you know, if Coinbase were to move offshores, that would make me not trust them because, you know, you've seen, like like you said, it would essentially allow them to kind of just run wild and be almost a shitcoin casino. I mean, I think that, that, that there's a reason why, you know, you see some of the bigger exchanges like FTX and Binance and, and some of these other ones that are overseas and that don't really operate too much in the in the U.S. And I think part of that is because the the U.S. like, um, you know, SEC restrictions are a little bit more strict than, you know, say Europe or some of these other countries. And, you know, like I said, because of that, you know, FTX U.S., for example, was was a pretty small arm of FTX as a whole. Like, obviously, you know, what happened in that whole situation was not great. And having a bunch of, you know, U.S. celebrities, you know, sponsor FTX and FTX Arena and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's a full another rabbit hole we can go down. But, you know, Coinbase, if they were able to move off of, uh, you know, U.S. and kind of get out of that that regulatory background of the SEC, it seems like they would be like essentially able to operate with more flexibility. But I think in this space, that's not a good thing. I mean, do you agree agree on that point? I mean, if, the, if you still have Bitcoin on, on Coinbase and they leave the U.S., I don't know what you're doing. One, you're, you still have it on there. But two, I would get it the hell off. Yeah, I think the SEC need, needs to, to figure it out. And, and I w- what I would use as a comparison, and look, I'm not going to say I know this exactly because I don't think anybody living in the U.S. does, but what I what I have heard described in China is that companies like Alibaba, Tencent, JD, you know, the big chi- the big China tech giants, essentially what happened is they were allowed to grow pretty much unfettered for 10, 15, 20 years since the internet kind of got up and running. And that, you know, these were companies that, you know, they were going for it all, right? Alibaba was this massive company selling all these goods all over the place, getting a delivery network, logistics network, um, doing media, doing data center and cloud. But there came a time when the government said, okay, you know, this was a couple of years ago. we've let you guys grow and unfettered for a while. Now we're going to lay down the law and and regulate you guys more aggressively. And so they did that. I think maybe call it from 2020 through 2022. And I think now we're seeing headlines in 2023 that they're kind of easing off the gas pedal. So they felt like maybe for two years, they got rules together to, you know, I think another example of this is DD, which is their, basically version of Uber and, and DoorDash together. And with Didi, there was personal information that this company had and China wasn't happy with how they were storing the personal information. And so that was a big issue with the Chinese government. So I think we need to take a page kind of out of that playbook, ironically, 
being in the U.S. is that look, Coinbase, they, they, they were allowed to be formed. They were they grew for a while. They went public, and they were you know they're doing all these things now. If the SEC wants to step in, they can. But let's have rules of the, the land. Let's legislate them. And it's not like we need to throw the company out. We don't need to bankrupt them. We don't need to send them away. We just need to regulate them based on what we want to have for future regulations. And I don't, you know, if any, and if you like, look, if you look at Chinese equities, yeah, they, they, they take a, a pretty, they took a pretty um, big leg down, but these companies are still standing, still producing free cash flow, still expanding. Alibaba now is, breaking into several companies, but that plan was uh, supported by Jack Ma, their, their founder. And their, I think the stock was up after that plan because they think each of these different types of companies can be more focused and can invest more. So yeah, I, I, I just think there needs to be better communication for what's going down. I think what we've had for the last couple of years is just sort of dumb on both sides. Like we just, we need to have, we need to know what the, the lay of the land is because otherwise, um, you're going to have more stuff like this and you and you will have US companies moving overseas and that's just going to be a negative for the country. Yeah, and it definitely seems like, you know, co- companies are going to go where incentives lie and it seems like, you know, co- countries like El Salvador, for example, are making it very, uh, you know, incentivized for companies to come down there and operate in El Salvador. I know if, uh, you know, you're an internet company and you you're based in El Salvador and you don't sell anything in El Salvador, they're not going to charge you any business related taxes. So, you know, Coinbase, for example, if they move down there, they don't have to pay any business tax, but they can still operate in the U.S., of course, if they, you know, um, yeah, I mean, through their app and all that kind of stuff, too, which is kind of like an interesting little tidbit. So, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But, you know, we, we brought it up a little bit earlier in the conversation. I want to get into the Bitcoin miners. We don't have to go into any specific one, um, you know, any specific miner balance sheet or anything like that. But, you know, we, we talked about MicroStrategy and their their strategy of basically, you know, purchasing Bitcoin and holding it. But, you know, a lot of miners kind of gained popularity in the 2020 to 2021 time where, you know, Bitcoin was ripping, where they would just hold on to the Bitcoin that they were mining instead of selling it off to, um, you know, gain costs. And then now, you know, they're essentially mining at a loss and uh, they're going to have to, you know, sell off. And some of them are capitulating not to, to a full extent where they're all having to sell off all their corn. But, you know, uh, very few of them are still stacking that Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, on these strategies of, you know, obviously not ha- holding any Bitcoin, uh, just holding Bitcoin by buying and holding Bitcoin by mining. Like, how do you view these three different strategies as, you know, somebody in, in traditional finance? Um you know, that uh, for, I guess, like a company's reserve strategy, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I think with Bitcoin miners, there's there's a couple issues of, of their kind of game plan in 2020, 2021, where, yes, they, they definitely were, um, you know, they were holding, they were not selling and... I think when I mean the profit margins these companies were making was, I, I mean I, I don't know exactly, but I think it was 70, 80, 90 percent margins because they were mining at a cost of six to eight k per coin, and at a certain point the the coin was 40, 50, 60 k. So instead of pocketing at least some of that margin and maybe saving for a rainy day or trying to 
kind of build up some cash on your balance sheet. Um, I think that's reasonable to do as a public company, especially if you're a public miner. Um, they kind of went the other way, which is, yeah, they, they kept all the Bitcoin and they also either took out debt, issued equity or both to buy miners at prices that obviously now you could get them for um, very little. And we have seen um, there's been distressed sales of mining machines. So you've had companies that were a little bit more thoughtful um, about how they how they use their operations and selling some. They've bought miners at significantly reduced prices from companies that probably had taken out debt or issued equity um, to pay to, to pay for. Now, I don't totally I, I don't totally hate because um, I think there's there's an argument for both sides of it. If, if the mining, you know, like there, there, there were just some crazy moves in the mining equities, you know, like marathon, I think everybody kind of know like that, that just was insane. I think that at one point that's, that stock was 80 and it went maybe to like five at the lowest, uh, you know, in the recent bear market. So that was just incredible pricing. So there's an argument to whether you want to be selling equity or selling Bitcoin. I think you could do both, but if you sell the Bitcoin, then you have cold hard cash that basically are, are you're generating from your operations. If you sell the equity, you can keep your Bitcoin, but you're selling equity to what you know to what people would call the fiat maxis, right? You're selling to BlackRock and to Vanguard, um, yeah, and to retail investors too. But you're selling to institutional investors that down the road, if there are important uh, decisions to be made for your company, like how ESG do you go? Um, do you want some of these funds owning 15% of your equity? Maybe you don't. So maybe there's a mix of, okay, if your stock kind of gets egregiously priced to where the, you know, if you take a multiple of their earnings with Bitcoin at a certain price, take the Bitcoin with the two, and if it's out of whack, then maybe you do sell a little bit of equity but I think there, I think there should be a mix of selling some equity, selling some Bitcoin, keeping some Bitcoin in the balance sheet. And so, if we do, it, it kind of it's an all weather scenario. So you, you you always have a little bit of each, so that worst case scenario, you're trying not you're trying to avoid selling at distressed prices, whether that's Bitcoin itself, whether that's your miners, and whether that's your equity. You don't you don't want to sell all those at distressed prices. And on the flip side. You don't want to be essentially buying any of those at sky high prices. You don't want to be buying the miners at sky high prices. You don't want to be holding onto all the Bitcoin at a sky high price and watching it fall 50%, 75% of value. So, you know, look, it's easy for me to say this from the cheap seats because I wasn't in a mine, you know, I wasn't running a mining company at the time. And, you know, did I personally think that we, you know, there is a potential for, S2F to be to be more accurate than not and for us to go 100 200k plus sure i mean who you know like that when bitcoin's ripping thousands of dollars a day and it's above 50k anything's possible right so i don't totally you know from the personal perspective i think people could get caught up with it but i do think if you're a public company and you're running um, a miner i i don't think you have there's no excuse for if and when this next bull cycle comes there's no excuse to, to, to put the pedal to the metal completely and then put yourself in a position where if it crashes again, you're going to be in a rough position. You've learned from the past. 
you need to be having a rainy day fund of cash. You probably should have some Bitcoin, but you shouldn't be selling it. You shouldn't be holding on to all of it. And do not take out a bunch of debt at sky high interest rates like a lot of these miners did backed by mining equipment. Don't do not do that if you don't have to. Just sell equity. Sell a little bit of equity instead of doing that because you know debt at 12, 13, 14% is crazy. So yeah, that's what... um. That's my take on it. But and again, you know, if any if anyone in the money business is listening, you know, my suggestions, I'm not at a company, but ultimately from the outside looking in, that would be my take on on what they have done and what they potentially should do the next cycle. Yeah, and I, I actually have like a little bit of a different opinion when it comes to mining. I think that miners should just distance themselves from the volatility of the asset like as a whole. Like I don't know if they should really keep much at all Bitcoin on their balance sheet just strictly because of, you know, the volatility of the asset. So when you're able to, you know, mine and get those two to three times, um, you know, profit on whatever you're mining, like why would you want to keep that? I think that, that you know, holding essentially like, a decent cash position for Bitcoin miners is just, you know, I think the smarter and more conservative route because of, you know, just one, how volatile Bitcoin is as a whole and how difficult it is to, to mine Bitcoin at a profit, especially during bear times. So, you know, being able to hold all that cash and instead of, you know, taking loans against miners or kind of doing some leverage plays on on their Bitcoin or other things like that. I mean, Bitcoin mining as a whole is just is just risky in general. So doing all that stuff just adds 10 times more risk than, the, than they really need. And I kind of look at it similarly to like maybe oil miners or gold miners. Like you don't really see gold miners or oil miners kind of you know, hodling gold or hodling oil. And so they try to distance themselves from the volatility of those assets that they're mining. So I think that Bitcoin miners should do something similar. But, you know, obviously, if you're in a Bitcoin mining business, you are bullish on Bitcoin. So it's kind of hard to say that, you know, like you said, from the cheap seats, because I am bullish on Bitcoin. And if I were to, you know, personally get a miner, um, I would probably hold on to that that Bitcoin instead of, you know, paying down the electricity costs with it. But I'm also not running like a large publicly traded company. So it is kind of, uh, you know, tough to tough to say here. But yeah, like I said, I, I kind of think that, you know, just holding Bitcoin for miners is, is tough. But I do agree with your points on, you know, buying it and holding it. If you're able to have a cash position already on the side, like, why not? What's the what's the hurt? I mean, I think you could only get really get some benefit. Like, you know, it's kind of like, a, you know, a retail investor only invest like whatever you're willing to use. Obviously, don't, you know, FOMO everything into uh into Bitcoin if you're, you know, a large company and put your whole saving cash savings and everything like that. But if you have some room to spare and you can invest it in Bitcoin, like, you know, the potential payouts, I think, you know, obviously outweigh, uh, outweigh the risks. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And look, I, I, I think I've, the risk to getting too aggressive with selling your equity yeah, it, it's just that that's eventually going to come back to bite you. So I, I just think there has to be a balance. I do I do see your point where because you're already exposed to Bitcoin, now you're basically doubling your exposure by holding the Bitcoin. And then especially if you borrowed off of that, then it's like it's a leveraged double exposure. And if you, if you look back to what um, Sailor has a slide in – one of the, one of his micro strategy presentations that kind of outlines why people would invest in, in micro strategy over Bitcoin miners and over others. 
and he and he does say that the, the benefit a benefit of microstrategy is that you do have software exposure that's a solid business and that's not what the mining business is which is obviously very volatile so yeah i definitely get that um but look i, I think it, as we all know um as we all saw from from the pricing um that that leverage on the double volatility has extreme upside in a Bitcoin being up scenario. So um, certainly we all know that as, as retail investors, I think certainly the, um, you know, the whole, the institutional holders know that too. And, you know, I always kind of, when I, when I see miners being up huge on a day, like, like more than they normally would be with Bitcoin, there, there's always kind of a thought in my head of, all right, like somebody knows something and some of these big funds um, are, and this is just my theory, I don't have any evidence behind this, but what I think is like, all right, some of these big funds are just like, get me, I don't even care what the price is and how much is up today, just to get me some Bitcoin exposure because I think Bitcoin's going to take off the next week or month or so and I just want it now. So, you know, whether that's right or not, I don't know, but that's kind of what, what I always think about when I see these miners up like 20% in a day when Bitcoin's up 3%. Yeah, that's, and that's a fair point. But uh, you've been very generous with your time. But before I let you go, we got to do a little little chart boy kind of kind of talk here. You know, how how do you think about the the overall price? I mean, we had a little bit of a dip today. We're recording on four twenty, so uh, unfortunately, the price isn't as high as everybody else. But uh, we're sitting at twenty eight uh, two maybe twenty eight point two k. So you know, where do you think we're going? Obviously, you know, we're all bullish, like listening to this. But, you know, the past five days, we've had a, a little bit of a slide where we went, uh, you know, this this business week or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, we, we've seen essentially like a 2K drop where, uh, you know, we, we are now seeing under 30K. So, um, yeah, where do you think we're going from here? Do you think we've hit the bottom uh, and we're just, uh, you know, this is just a blip in the radar or, uh, you know, do you think we're, we're going to go down a little bit? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've had a nice run here. Um, we had a nice fun run up to 30 K I think what maybe we hit 30 K or, or we're very close. So can we pump the brakes a little bit? Sure. I'm not, I'm not that concerned about it. I think the ultimate concern, uh, short-term Bitcoin, I, I'm not concerned about this myself personally, long-term, but I think short-term, you know, is, is if we have a recession, I mean, because stop, you know, if we have a recession, if we're in one. Um, stocks decline, risk assets decline as much as we like Bitcoin, as much as we think that it is the future, um, it will be correlated in some part to risk assets in the short term. One of the biggest, uh, you know, I just loved seeing this was when Bitcoin took off during the bank crisis. That was amazing. Um, that was kind of, you know, even, even the Bloomberg fiat, uh, you know, fiat supremacists, uh, had to, had to say that on on their uh, terminals, they had to say, "Yeah, Bitcoin is is proven out the the thesis of of the bulls because it's an alternative to the banking system." So, can we, you know as the banking system recovers, can we give up a little bit? As recession potentially is more or more likely, can we give up a little bit? Sure. So, over the short term, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if if we don't do a ton from here on out. But I, look, I think to to to, to think about it longer term, we got a halving coming up next year. If we, if we're in a recession, we got lower rates coming up easily. I mean, come on. Um, I think at a, at a certain point we're, we're just going to have to do it. 
Um, you know, you hear about Elon Musk talking about there might be a Great Depression soon. Um, whether or not he's in the right, I don't know, but certainly it looks like there could be uh, a very much weakening economy. So they're going to have to cut rates eventually, and the market is pricing in rate cuts for the second half of the year. So I think as as we get more liquidity into the system, as we get uh, closer to the halving, um, as we just get more excitement in general um, that feeds on another on, on each other. Look, I think I think there will be another cycle. I mean, there's no reason for us not to have another cycle. So I think in the meantime, you know, for 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 what what I do and what a lot of people do, and you know, I think what's the easiest is the, the set it and forget it DCA. You know, whatever you're comfortable with, whether it's you know whether it's a a tiny little bit, and whether you know whether you want to ramp it up or down depending on if you're close to a milestone or whether you're uh, you know coming into more money or whether you're uh, more bullish or bearish depending on what you think if there's a recession or not. I mean. It's, it's up to the buyer, of course, but I think ultimately something that is consistently getting you in the market, in the game, so you can benefit from the lows and then kind of enjoy the highs and not be worried you didn't, you didn't buy too, um, too little, I think that's the, that's the best play. So yeah, as, as for an actual prediction, you know, look, I, ultimately in my job, I'm, I'm a fundamental analyst. So, you know, if, if technical analysis worked, you know, I, I'd be out of a job. So I can't make a chart prediction, but I can make a long-term prediction, which is the fundamentals look extremely strong over the long term, and so um, I am uh, I'm in it I'm in it for the long term. Yeah, SB, that's awesome stuff, and it's always a blast to talk with you, whether it's on Spaces or podcasts or whatever. But uh, you also put out some great content, so why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and uh, what you got going on? Yeah, so we're uh, the woke antidote is the podcast, and look, I mean, if you like Bitcoin, um, I would say we we definitely talk about Bitcoin um, at times. We talk about the economy, but it, it really is kind of what I said in the beginning of the show. It's it's an examination of the the world from the point of view of of a couple of you know normal normal dudes around thirty, kind of looking at things going. Things are kind of strange out there. Things are kind of weird. Um, sometimes we get serious and we talk about, uh, you know, do some deep dives issues. We talk some tough subjects. Uh, like we did a show after the the mass shooting. So we went, kind of went into the details there and some mental health, uh, the crisis in the country and what we should do about it. But then we also like having fun and joking about stuff like, uh, you know, never drinking a Bud Light again. So we, uh, I think we do the best of both worlds. Um, people have enjoyed it so far. We continue doing it and, you know, get a pop us a follow on at the woke antidote. That is the, uh, what I have up there. Um, and then give us a follow on Twitter and we'll be dropping shows. Um, we don't have an exact set, set schedule, but like we'd like to do maybe one a week or so. Um, we've got a nice archive there and, uh, you've been on one as well. Um, so, well, uh, at a certain point, we definitely got to have you back to talk. But um, yeah, we'll have guests from time to time, too. And we just uh, we like having fun and talk about interesting issues. Yeah, for sure. I'm always uh, always glad to come back. And uh, my rant on LeBron, uh, just as, as, as we're going through these playoffs, dude, it's just frustrating me even more. So if you need me to come back on and just yell about that, I'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, but uh, SB, thanks so much for coming on, man. And I'll have to have you back on again. I mean, I, I have you on the, the program a few different times, but we'll, we'll uh, always a friend and uh, always a great conversation. So I really appreciate it, man. 
love it, man. Love to be here. And um, yeah, let's hope. Uh, so Bitcoin after this brief pause kind of continues going back up. Amen. All right, man.